This podcast is brought to you by Trent Moeller and Hunter Crawford. In this podcast series, we sit down with people from various backgrounds and experiences that have found success in their lives. You'll hear inspirational stories from people who have worked hard and made an impact along the way. Join us on this journey as we learn from entrepreneurs, community leaders, and business people from around the country that have gotten it done. You're listening to Living Without a Blueprint. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Living Without a Blueprint. I'm your host, Hunter Crawford, here with co-host Trent Moeller, and we are so excited to have you along for another great episode. To start, we just can't thank you all enough for all the support that you've given us throughout the last two weeks. Uh, Our first episode with Ashley Hunwardson was absolutely amazing. Uh, We couldn't be happier with our visit with Ashley and all the love and support that you've given us throughout the last two weeks. I'm excited to say that we have over 500 listens throughout all the platforms on our podcast. And I know that that's just a starting point. We can only go up from here, but we really couldn't do it without all the love and support from you. So thank you. I would like to echo that um, as well. And especially for the people that reached out to us individually, Snapchat, text, all those things. um, I feel like I got more messages from people I haven't talked to in a good amount of time. Um, And it was, it was great to hear from you guys. We appreciate that everyone listened and uh, we're, we're only going to get better. That's one thing that that I want to preface this out is we obviously have some kinks in the road. Uh, we're, we're doing some things. Uh, we're, we're taking notes. We appreciate all your critiques. We appreciate all the input insights, good or bad. Uh, as I mentioned on the first episode, Hunter takes all the bad ones and I take the good ones, but thank you again. Thank you for, for all the love and support. And we're excited to kick off this episode three of living without a blueprint. You know, Trent, I think people were serious last episode when you said all the critiques go to me because probably no longer than 30 minutes after launch I had at least five old fraternity brothers call me and say you know I think this could be better I think this could be better and you know what they're right and uh, that's what I appreciate about about some of those fraternity brothers is they are brutally honest with you even when you're like eh do I really want to hear it they're gonna let you hear it regardless so you might as well you might as well listen to their feedback right we were sitting in the same room together when we dropped and literally five phone calls come in. And after the third one, we both had that look on our face, like son of a gun. We know what's coming here. It's going to start with, dude, that was so great. This is awesome. I'm glad you're doing it. Now let me tell you what I would do different if I was doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Totally. And it was kind of weird. You know, we, when we dropped that first episode on uh, two weeks ago, this past two, two Fridays ago, uh, we really didn't know what we were going to drop it that day. We we're just kind of sitting around. All the editing got done. All of our social media finally got put together. And we we're just kind of like, hey, let's drop a podcast. It was, it was like all the boxes were checked and now was the time to commit. Right. And I tell you what, I didn't click that button, but it was a little intimidating finally committing to that, putting ourselves out there like that. Um, I've never been in a situation like that before, but like we said, we appreciate all the love and support. It's been accepted and, and we really appreciate it. So thank you guys. I do have one shout out that I'd like to give before we, we go into any storytelling or anything about this upcoming episode. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my good friend, Carly Ron. Uh, you all saw the 
awesome logo that we have on our social media and on our podcast page. And that was designed by my great friend, Carly Ron, Iowa State classmate of mine, Clarinda High School graduate classmate of mine. And I can always count on her to do my graphic design dirty work for me because I'm not really good in that space. And, and she just did a tremendous job on the first try. So Carly, if you're listening, thank you so much for all the work you did for that awesome logo design. Yeah, thank you so much, Carly. Carly is, has always been there for us. Last minute, you, we usually need things not in a timely fashion, and she always finds a way to, to crank the, the, the nice artwork out for us, and, and we especially appreciate that. So thank you, Carly. So, Trent, surely we have a few stories to tell over the last two weeks. Trent and I have spent probably more time than we usually spend together over the last two weeks, and between Trent moving from North Dakota down to South Dakota – um, we had a fraternity brothers bachelor party last weekend, which we won't go into all the stories about that because most of them cannot be told on the, on the, on the air like they, this. They might be incriminating. <laughs> so, so first off, we, we start moving Trent from North Dakota down to his, his new place in South Dakota. And like most friends do, he asks me for help moving and, Trent's already made a couple trips back and forth to Devil's Lake at this point, and we we get uh, we get rendezvoused up in Sioux Falls. We start heading back up to North Dakota, and I'm thinking to myself, this will be an easy move. He's got most the most of the dirty work done. Everything's packed up, ready to go. All I have to do carry a few boxes, carry a couch or two out to the U-Haul. We're good to go, right? Well. Trent, who I thought was awesome at planning, did not have the stuff boxed up, did not have as many things ready to go as I thought. So it turned into a little bit more of a packing ordeal, and I thought I got used a little bit more than I should have. He also said that he had lots of new friends that he met up in North Dakota, and for some reason, none of those new awesome friends decided to show up to help move. Well, I will say... In Devil's Lake, North Dakota, population of, I don't know, approximately 5,000, I made more friends over the age of 70 than, than below. So I, I didn't want to go through all that insurance hassle of, of breaking somebody's hip to, to have them help me move. That would for sure be and a liability. To be, to, to be quite honest with you, I thought I was sitting in better position than when we walked in there that, that night. And turns out, yeah, I have a lot more stuff than, than what I would like to admit, but we got through it. It was a fun learning experience. You got to, uh, visit Black Paws Brewing Company up in Devil's Lake with me one last, one last time. So that was great. I do appreciate all your help, but, uh, I'm just going to plead the fifth on the fact that, yeah, I was, I was probably not as prepared as I could have been, but we got through it. We're moved in. We're here settled in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Super excited to be here. Um, but yeah, I like that. Thank you for your help, Hunter. And thanks for bringing, bringing all my dirty laundry up. To be fair, I, so, I j- just wanted to be publicly thanked for, for doing that much work. I, I didn't really have an ulterior motive behind that. I just needed a, a public pat on the back there. I would expect nothing less from you. But as, we're, as I was sitting at a, at a farm show today, thinking about how we're going to start this podcast off. It occurred to me how ironic it is that, you know, I've got this list going. I've got um, 
kind of an outline of, of how it's going to be played out and questions I may ask or some topics I want to go over. How ironic it is, our podcast name is Living Without a Blueprint, and I'm just making a total blueprint to how I want this to go. So I just thought that was kind of funny and, and maybe a testament to my personality, I guess. So did you did you rip up the list and we're just we're just free balling it here or what's up? I am uh, looking at the list right now, but but I've scribbled some things out. Well, if that a, makes it any better, that's a decent start. That's a decent start. It is a decent start. So let's uh, stay on this road from the past two weeks. We had a bachelor party in Fort Worth, Texas, down at the stockyards. There was a group of twenty of us down there, and Gosh, we had a hell of a time. It was guys that we haven't seen as much as we'd like to in the past six months and all of us together. And I I think my favorite part about the whole trip was the fact that we were in Dallas, Fort Worth. We got at our hotel that was on the stockyard strip, basically, and we never left. We never went to Dallas or Texas Live. We never got an Uber. Once we were there, we hunkered down and explored and and maybe possibly drank at every inch of those stockyards. You know, it is amazing. Fort Worth's got it figured out because they have they have a special way of making their visitors open up their wallets like I have never seen before. And I wasn't even probably the big spender of the trip, but holy moly, there's some first of all, there's some awesome stuff down there. Trent, you got a nice pair of Tacova boots. Um the the drinks and the concerts and the atmosphere down in Fort Worth is just awesome. I mean, I, I can't even describe it. Yeah. Me and me and my friend Traster were the only people uh, rich enough to, to buy a pair of Tacovas, And we made sure that we let everybody know the rest of the trip. So everyone listening right now that was on that trip and, and hearing me say that, well, Trey's going to laugh, but everyone else is going to roll their eyes for sure. But, but my Tacovas are, are awesome. I, I love my Tacovas. Yeah. The rest of us living in poverty, uh, had to watch them walk around flashing those things. But I think one of the one of the better stories and talk about living without a blueprint here again is our fiasco on the drive home. If you want to clue people in on that little fiasco. Absolutely. That was actually in my in my notes here. So we take off. Well, well, first off, we're leaving on a Sunday morning and we're driving. There's four of us in a pickup and as you can imagine, we're not the earliest of movers that Sunday morning. I get up, shower, 8.30 or so maybe, and I'm, I just don't want to be in the way of, of anyone else getting, getting and going because two of those guys, especially one of them, uh, is maybe a little bit slower on, on the draw in terms of, of getting up and get going. So I wanted to get out of the way, but we didn't get out of that damn hotel until like, what, 10, 11? Yeah, abs- yeah somewhere in there. So that was kind of a shit show to start with, but we finally get on the road and we're obvious we're, we're honestly road hammering pretty good down the road. Oh, once yeah. we got going, those, those speed limit signs were just suggestions at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All those radars, they were looking for the high score, not the, not our actual speed. And we were, we were doing our damn best to get there. So then we make it, I drive about half halfway maybe we make it to uh hunter takes over for the rest or what i thought was going to be the rest on in that vehicle <laughs> we make it to 
the north side of Omaha on Interstate 29, and I have my AirPods in. I'm sitting in the back, and I'm listening to the 49ers game. Brock Purdy is balling out, Iowa State baby, playing his 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 guts off, and I'm just enjoying the moment, right? And then all of a sudden, we get like a sudden stop, like, oh, and then we're pulling over. My AirPods, they're soundproof, so I can't like hear what anybody's saying. But I turn around, and I'm like, okay, are we getting pulled over? We should have been pulled over three hours ago, but are we getting pulled over now? <laughs> nope. No cop. Take my AirPods out. Boom. Chaos. And there's, and there's smoke everywhere, right? Smoke everywhere. Hunter's freaking out. Gus is also freaking out. I'm like shell-shocked what's going on. And then I see the smoke. Well, I smell the smoke, and then I see it. And there we are on a lonely, lonesome highway east of Omaha. <laughs> just just done on the side of the road. And that's when our networking skills had to come to play. Yeah, so I think Sunday night reminded me to never burn bridges and to always keep your your friends and your connections close because and also thank God we were close to Omaha, but we called an old fraternity buddy that we haven't seen in a little while as well. Nick Peterson, thanks so much for bailing us out. After we called the tow truck, we realized, well, holy cow, the tow truck comes and picks up the vehicle, but then who Not comes us. up and who comes up and picks the people up? And so a long story short, he ended up taking us to the airport and we were able to rent a vehicle and drive the rest of the way up to South Dakota. But uh, that was about a, oh, three or four hour ordeal that put us behind and, and yeah, did not go, yeah, so, go as planned. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to quote uh, a good buddy of ours, Grant McMillan, said it best. And I quote: "God gives his toughest battles to his most hungover soldiers." <laughs> that is ingrained in my head forever because there is nothing more true. We were we we could barely talk. You know, the whole trip, we were, we were just struggling to, to find words the whole trip, and then we were, we were dealt that fiasco. And another thing, and, and Hunter actually brought this up once we got in the rental car, that might have been the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of us being acting like cheap, broke college kids and, and driving down instead of flying. Yeah, I think, I think starting after this trip, it's time for me to sign up for the frequent flyer miles because – just the just the thought, the anxiety behind having a breakdown somewhere in the middle of nowhere just absolutely gets to me now. So I think uh, I think we'll be hopping on airlines from now on out. Yeah, I would. I'd agree with that. When we left Fort Worth, everyone's heading to the airport, and we're like, okay, this is like everyone's traveling, and this ain't that bad. I'm glad we drove and got another road trip with some fellas. And then they all got they all got home at like two or three maybe, and then we get some Snapchats of them just we also watching got, football. We also got home at two or three though. Yeah, yeah, we did two or three a.m. Right, and then at that point when I was seeing that, well, maybe maybe flying is the way to go. But I tell you what, a good mentor of mine we were, we were talking about my weekend and um, being able to to hang out with the guys. And he said that it, it's, it's a good time when, 
when friends get to connect after college with some actual paychecks to cover expenses. And that's also true. Like, I don't understand how we did it when we were in school. We were just scraping pennies to go to dollars on a Wednesday night. And yeah. now to be able to do that, that, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right about that. And you know, we talk a lot about like budgeting after school and, and man, I've got this big paycheck. How do you spend it wisely? How do you still save for your future? And I think in some future episodes, we're going to get into that. Some of that saving and investing that life after college, like, Hey, you're a new adult. What do you do? But there's still some money out there to have some fun and to, to uh, rehash some old memories. Yeah. And if anybody is looking for like, I don't know, a kidney or hell, an arm, anybody's in the market for one of those. I know the guy that, that, that would also be willing to sell for the right price because after that weekend we're running a little low. Yep. So Trent, what the hell do we have coming up on this episode of living without the blueprint? So we've got an exciting guest, everybody. Yeah, we've got, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled about this. We've got 2022 Forbes 30 under 30 in the category of social impact. Mitchell Hora on as our guest today. Mitchell, we, we've heard about him. We've talked to him for years. But he's got a story that I'm excited to actually dig into. And I'm excited for everyone here to be able to listen to that. He is one of those people that he's an anomaly. I don't understand the way he's been able to, you know, be a young, successful entrepreneur right out of, you know, during his, his college years. And he'll get into that. But his story is pretty incredible. And we're excited to have him on and excited to have you all listen to that. Yeah, you know, a seventh generation farmer. And, and he'll be able to tell the story even better than us, but has just built this this empire of continuum ag. Um that he started back in 2015 and and he's just done a tremendous job of of relationships with the public uh, bringing awareness to agriculture uh, throughout the midwest he's he's been a great a great support system for our our alma mater iowa state he does a lot to give back to the his local community the state of iowa and and really the whole united states in the in the agricultural community so couldn't be more excited to have him on and yeah, I really look forward to what he has to say to everyone. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, gosh, we got two two farm kids about to talk to another farm kid, I promise his story is, is a lot more beyond that, too. So he's going to talk about agriculture for sure, but I think in general as a businessman and, and as a, a human being, uh, this is a story worth listening to for everybody. So buckle up, and here we go with Mitchell Hora. What's up, everybody? Welcome to our guest segment of Living Without a Blueprint. With us, the traveling man, we've got Continuum Ag owner, Mitchell Hora. Apparently, Mitchell, you've had a, a busy damn week. I, I haven't caught you on a, on a text or a phone call or anything without you being God knows where in this country. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday evening. And I think I've had uh, six flights, no, six or seven flights so far, and I've got two more tomorrow and two more next week. So I think I'll end up with about 10 flights in uh, Holy know, what, eight, nine days. So running you know, around. 
it's all part of it, though. We go. Kinda, we go where the people take you. What kind of airline miles are you rocking with these days? It, it has to be astronomical, dude. Not enough, because uh, the problem is like flying out of Des Moines or Cedar Rapids and stuff. It's just it's hard to have a consistent one airline, so it's hard to get consistently ramped up like a bunch of miles on one airline. But I'm working on it. I'm trying to get that sorted out. I was uh, I was doing a little research on that actually, and trying to figure out like, okay, how do I actually capitalize on all this and play the game? Because <laughs> there's got to be a way to play the game here and get more miles. Well, and, if there's uh, anyone that could figure advantage. it out, I'm we're, we're I'm, not flip. Yeah, anyone that knows how to navigate that, yeah. I need some you know, help. Trent and I were just talking way. in the in the opening segment. We made a, a big road trip down to Fort Worth this last weekend, and we were just talking about how. We had so many issues on the trip that it's now our tipping point. We're starting to fly everywhere. No more screwing around with these big, long road trips. And so you're our inspiration here being on 10 flights in the last week. I don't know. I Usually I like just road tripping it, though. Like a lot of times I'll just drive. And uh, But the issue here was that I had to go from Nashville to Sioux Falls to Tucson, Arizona, and all the way back. Like it – it was just so many different things back to back where then it's like, all right, I'll just fly. Do you have a secretary or do you keep all this crap in your head? No, I had to figure it all out. Um, uh, from my side, I have used, um, a secretary and a, uh, an assistant in the past, but currently I do not have one, but yeah, I'm going to need to get another one hired here at some point this year. So if you're listening and, and looking to be a secretary, yeah, we'll, we'll pass that information along. That's so, right. That's right. Well, Mitchell, we can't thank you enough for being on this. You know, our, our phone call was in the initial stages. You hadn't even heard the podcast before you said yes. So we, we can't thank you enough for, for committing and helping us out from the get-go. Our launch was, was successful, and, and we've got two episodes out. But, th- you know, these, these first couple guests, we, we really appreciate the commitment and, and the trust that you had in us to, to be able to use you as a – or this as a platform to, to get – your story out there. So, yeah. so thank you for that. Yeah, no, happy to. And, uh, it's all got to start somewhere, you know? And, um, I don't know. I'm just driving. So might as well chat and, uh, and record a podcast too. You sound like a, a guy that works for a seed company. <laughs> yeah. <fact. laughs> yeah. Always on the road and might as well just be on the phone the whole time. So, Mitchell, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of, of your story and, and, and what you have going on right now, but if you could just take us back to Washington County pre-2000 and, and see, you know, how, how was Mitchell raised? Where did he come from? And, and, and take us through how you got to, to the point where you're at. Yep. So I'm seventh generation on my family's farm uh, based in Washington County, Iowa. That's southeast Iowa. And we farm about 700 acres down there, so small family farm, but been really deep into the, now it's called the regenerative ag movement, um, but really deep into conservation. Uh, we, Dad and, and my family started no-tilling in 1978. We've been using cover crops since 2013, uh, diversifying the system as well. In the last couple of years, we've had not just corn and soybeans, but grown cereal rye, winter wheat, malt barley, uh, mustard for seed and heirloom corn as well. Open pollinated, uh, heirloom corn. So just trying different stuff, trying to 
open up new revenue streams and lower our cost of production. And, and uh, we're seeing that by building up our soil health, we can really do that. So a lot of data, a lot of uh, playing around with products and biologicals and cover crop species and all that. But, um, but, and then, you know, with it being a small family farm and I'm the oldest of five kids in my family and, um, you know, had the opportunity to buy a little 40 acre patch when I graduated from Iowa state, but, um, always been very entrepreneurial and have lots of other things going on, uh, off of the farm as well. Now, Mitchell, we have a lot of, a lot of listeners that aren't really all that familiar with agriculture and all the agricultural practices. Can you explain in a, in an abridged version, what the heck regenerative agriculture even is? Yeah. My definition of regen ag, regenerative ag, is that it's a continual implementation of your, of the principles of soil health. And uh, so really what that means is continuously improving and implementing practices that mimic mother nature, things uh, that allow for us to follow the principles. And those principles are to minimize the disturbance of the soil, both chemical and physical disturbance, maintain armor on the soil like the crop residue, keep living roots as much of the time in the year as we can, like with cover crops and perennials, uh, get as much foster diversity and get more diverse plant species in the system that feed diverse microbes in the soil and do diverse tasks, integrate livestock if possible, and uh, be able to get those livestock back out on the land, you know, interacting with the plants and the microbes out there and depositing their manure and urine and saliva out there on the field. Uh, and then the sixth principle is to do this in the context of your farm, keeping in mind the context of your climate, your soils, your logistic constraints, equipment, you know, knowledge, all these kind of things. So um, it, it's really, to me, I think all farms are going to be adopting these regenerative systems, like reducing tillage to reduce that disturbance and maintain the armor, like adding more cover crops out there to pump more carbon in the ground and feed our microbes and, and cycle nutrients. Um, more farmers are going to end up doing this stuff. It just is better. It's more resilient. It's more profitable. Yeah, there's risk at the beginning, but as long as you have the right coach, the right plan, and uh, utilize data to help you to make the transition, you can really be successful, not lose money at the beginning. You can actually be more profitable even in year one of changing to some of these practices. And, uh, and the long-term benefits are really huge. And, uh, and it's where this space is going and it's where the consumer and uh, consumer-facing companies are trying to take us. So, Mitchell, Washington County, born and raised there, graduated from there, and then you headed off to Ames. What was your, your experience at, at Iowa State like? I mean, Iowa State's all I've ever known. <laughs> I never even uh, – I I literally didn't even do a a, uh, a campus tour, like an official one, an official visit. Like I never did an official visit to Iowa State. I never even thought about any other school. Like it just was never even an option. I think I think I was number like 19 or something like that in my family to go to Iowa State, like my direct family, like 18, 19. Um, both sides of my family, you know, all my – pretty much all my aunts and uncle, uncles and cousins and all that all the way back. And, um, and then now by the time, um, you guys know my, my brother, David, he's a senior at Iowa state right now. And, uh, shoot, he's got to be number 25 at least 
in our direct uh, like lineage to uh, to go to Iowa State. It's just always been the thing. And then, of course, the AGR fraternity house has always been the thing as well. Like, I didn't even apply for the dorms or anything. Uh, just just knew that, uh, you know, was talking with the guys there and knew that that was the, the plan. And, um, and it was awesome, but it was super involved in a bunch of stuff. I ended up double majoring in agronomy and in ag systems technology, uh, was, uh, vice president of Cal's council and, and, um, I don't know, heavily involved in a variety of things on, uh, had a stint as recruitment chair in the AGR house, um, a variety of, of other on-campus positions and leadership roles and stuff too. And then of course was getting the company up and going, um, while I was there as well. So. Lots of stuff going on, but uh, d- was working hard, but was definitely playing hard as well, which I That's think is super important. That's the right there. Well, as That's one the should. Way. And uh, the, trick, the, the trick, though, and, uh, and definitely want to try to play to the audience and stuff here, what I did, okay, and what really worked for me, everyone's got to figure themselves out at college, like that's the key, but especially when I was – uh, especially when I was getting the company up and going, the rule was from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. is business. That's school, that's activities, that's stuff at the house. Like basically put myself on grade rule from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. No TV, no screwing around, like business, get stuff done, no drinking. Uh, I didn't do that at the beginning, of course, or when I was living in Blue Room. Uh, that was a different story. But, um, but like, especially junior year when I was getting the stuff going, even into senior year, uh, you know, had a lot of stuff going on. I was super involved in the way that I was able to get it done is from, you know, Monday through Thursday and then through the end of, you know, end of, uh, end of class time on Friday, it was no screwing around. But as soon as eight o'clock hits, you know, it's the bush lattes are getting cracked open and we're heading to the bar. And then, uh, the key for me was to then, be shutting it down during the week, shut it down at the bar, like by midnight, you know, by that point have had plenty, but, uh, can go and, and get a decent night's sleep and be ready to rock and roll by 8am the next day. Now Mitchell yeah, wise man once told me that nothing good happens after midnight. That's right. Well, I mean, was definitely out after midnight a lot, but what I'm talking oh. is during the week, like from Monday night through Thursday night, you know, you know, tapering it down then on the weekends and stuff of course no there's 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 no there's probably some people are that are listening right now thinking did he really just say only out till midnight monday through thursday thinking okay these people are some serious alcoholics and i wouldn't say that we're alcoholics during college but uh but there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely a I would definitely say that we are. I would. <laughs> I'm pretty sure by definition, well, we were definitely alcoholics. If you would read the definition, we'd probably fall into but, that category. Yeah, but oh, hundred percent, The uh, the one of the quotes when I was uh, living in Rookrack, freshman year, uh, the the uh, like freshman, you know, cold air. One of the seniors came back. And I think he was the president at the time, and and he goes, boys. AGR is the best place because it allows you to have a high BAC and a high GPA at the same time. And there's time. not very many places where that's, that's possible. That's the key. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, but it, but it is about uh, being able to like have discipline, the 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. thing, like you know that that kind of stuff. Like that's what worked for me, and um, you know making sure that things are separated out uh, to be able to 
make sure that's all done. But I also, you know, knew like being involved in so many different things, double majoring and uh, knew that I was going to have my own company, you know, knew that I wasn't going to go take a full-time job after college. Like I had to have things freaking rolling if I was going to be able to like pull all this off. So had to be really disciplined, but also college, the most important thing about college is figuring yourself out and meeting other people and building relationships. Like that's what matters. It's not necessarily what you learn in a classroom. Yeah. That stuff's fine. But, um, figuring yourself out is, is really what's important. Now, Mitchell, there's, there's not a lot of people, uh, during their college years that, that get the idea to, to start a business and certainly not, not one that, that takes off and like yours has, what was, what was the point during your, your college career or in, in your younger years where you said, this is something that I need to do and I need to pursue seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So I literally like, I mean, you guys, whole concept here of living without a blueprint, um, plays right into that. Okay. So literally never even thought about what college I was going to go to. It was just always Iowa state like that, that, that was part of the plan where it's like, that was just like the thing, like in my, that's just what we do. Like the Horus go to school at Iowa state and, um, the, and it's cheap and, you know, had scholarships and stuff. And, and, uh, that was the plan, but I never even looked into like what major I should do. Like ag systems technology was about precision ag stuff, whatever. And I was like, Oh, that sounds right. You know, I like data kind of stuff. And, uh, then I added the agronomy, uh, double major later when I knew that I was going to get into, you know, agronomy work and build a, build a company, but there was never any thought process and plan. And now I think back on, it, I was like, what was I like? I never had a plan of what I was going to do after college. Like, no, I didn't know if I was going to go get a job or start my own thing. But I guess I never really thought about it, but getting, going and getting a corporate job was like, that was definitely never in the cards. Like I, I definitely would not go and work for like a big corporate company. I just know that's not going to fit, you know, what I want to do. Um, but it was that freshman year internship where I became aware of independent crop consulting and I was working out in Woodbine, Iowa, just north of Omaha, about 45 minutes for a company called E4 Sons and uh, E4 Crop Intelligence. They uh, <coughs> kind of, you know, somewhat along the lines of, of uh, what Continuum Mag has evolved into that, that they, uh, they do consulting directly with farmers and soil sampling and fertilizer and pesticide racks and stuff like that. But uh, they had their own scouting software as well. And, um, and I knew, you know, that summer... So it had been summer of 2014. I knew I wanted to get back around the farm in Southeast Iowa after graduation and knew I wanted to get into consulting and start my own thing and um, was looking at maybe licensing their company or, li- or not licensing, but franchising their company and starting a new branch. But, um, but quickly realized it was now let's do my own thing and uh, started putting together business plans during that summer internship. And then uh, my sophomore internship, I was up in Wilmer, Minnesota with another agronomy consulting company called Inez Consulting. And that's where I got connected with the Haney Soil Health Test and uh, was able to utilize that as a as a niche and bring that back to the farmers in southeast Iowa. And now uh, the rest is history. Take us through your uh, a junior or senior in, in college and you you got your feet underneath you finally probably as continuum ag 
um, just as a one-man show. Can you take us through like the the infrastructure? You know how it's progressed in terms of employees from from when you started to yeah. to, the, to the point where you're at now. Yeah. So I graduated in summer of 2017. I like officially kind of got the company launched in the fall of 2015. Okay, so I had that that internship in in Minnesota, and I went to a conference at the end of that summer and met some guys from South Africa who were trying to work on the Haney soil health test, and they needed a lot of help and didn't know what they were doing. I told them, "Hey, send me the data, and I'll help you to work through it and and run some analytics on it." And they said uh, they sent me all the stuff. I helped them out while back in Ames, and after I got done, they said, "Okay." Uh, thanks. Send us an invoice. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. That's, that's when I went and, uh, met up with Kevin Kimley and the ag entrepreneurial initiative is what it was called at the time there, uh, Iowa state and, uh, worked through that process and, and had the company started. So that was fall of 2017, summer of 2016 did not do another internship before senior year. And, uh, instead went and, uh, went back around Washington and uh, started working with some farmers and stuff then, started doing some soil sampling and some consulting work, got the business up and going there, going into senior year. Uh, added the first employees in January of 2018. So graduated summer 2017. Uh, my brother David was in high school at the time, so he was helping me out doing the sampling and stuff. But um, uh, I don't think I had another high school intern then. Um, but I added two full-time people in January of 2018. My first full-time hire was a gal to run marketing. And uh, at the same time, then a guy to uh, to help with the agronomy and consulting and, and soil sampling. So I uh, added the two then and then another um, agronomist in like August of that year. And, uh, and I've uh, have since, you know, added people and gotten rid of people and navigated through it. But right now we've got like 23 people involved in the company, um, in total. So I was listening to another podcast that you were on, gosh, I don't know, a few months ago now. And you talked about the importance of systems and, and getting those in place in, in terms of efficiency. Yeah. Can you touch on that and explain, you know, it, it seems like a, like a very simple process, but it maybe should be taken a little more, um, highly for, especially just entrepreneurs in general, looking to, to branch out and yeah. be successful. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, not having systems and processes in place before adding people is definitely the thing that I've screwed up the most. And, um, you know, I was just running and gunning and, and was really figuring it out, like made really decent money at the beginning. I was like, this is freaking awesome. Like, let's get some people on and let's keep growing this thing. Let's rock and roll. Well, those people coming in don't know the insights that I know and they don't have the same skill sets and they don't know you know, how to just navigate and just figure it out without any guidelines to it. Um, so what I've learned now is we've got to have processes, you know, standard operating procedures, have guidelines, have systems in place, and then add people or build autonomy to complete tasks within the system. That was, that's the key. So we, we now have our processes and systems documented you know, whether it be they're written out, we've got screenshots for stuff. We've got things in Prezi and in Google and videos and written stuff out um, so that our people know what the process is. They can be trained and uh, they know where to go to, you know, have the documented how to 
for how to implement um, and how to follow the te- the um, the jobs within the company. It, it seems like a simple process, you know, to just document like what the heck you're doing, but um, it's also that everybody might do it a little better, or employees might you know learn a better way of doing it, or or be able to discover a a new trick to being more efficient or adding more value. So it's important to have processes in place, but also keeping in mind that, that they need to be flexible um, and we need to listen and be open to ideas. And this is important for like entrepreneurs, but also if you're working for a company or starting a new, a new service offering or leading a department or managing people, like they still need to have processes and systems. And because uh, most people work off of like a checklist and a to-do list and it goes from step one to step two to step three and like just follow the just follow the guidelines and uh, I didn't have those in place at the beginning and so it was just very confusing for employees to come to work and not necessarily know exactly what the process is or what needs to be done. Now Mitchell how do you I guess how did you navigate because when you started this you were a, a sole, propi- sole proprietor. You were by yourself, and you were just just trying to make yeah. this work as your your one and only employee. How do you shift from from that stage of your business to now being a, a leader of people and having a team to manage? I mean, it, yeah. is there a, a a shift of focus, a shift of of style? Tell us a little bit about that. I don't know. I mean, I've always you know I've always been you know, a leader. I've always, you know, been very involved in different groups and leading people and helping to guide people. And, um, so that was always part of the plan and, and, uh, something that I think I do fine, you know, do fine with and, um, and have great people now and, and amazing relationships with those people. And, and, uh, you know, have, we hired some new people recently and have plenty of great applicants to choose from now as we're making hires. So, like that's definitely going well. Um, we use a process called the EOS system. So it's an entrepreneur operating system and they have a software. It used to be called traction tools that, uh, that we've utilized to set goals and have metrics and to make sure that everybody is part of building vision. And, um, and that's really where it starts is we, at the beginning of the company, I didn't really have a vision. The plan was, have a small consulting company in Southeast Iowa, you know, maybe a couple employees farm and die. You know, that was my plan. Like I didn't, I didn't really know what, what was going to happen. And, uh, now the vision is to help a million farmers profit from improving their soil health. So now the vision is big, quantifiable, um, very much speaks to global. And, uh, to reach a million farmers, we got to be talking global. We got to be talking, build the right, autonomy networks, systems, employees, um, collaborators that we can work with. And, uh, so that's really forced things to look bigger. And, uh, at the beginning we were trying to hodgepodge together other people's softwares, other people's tools. And, uh, with the Haney test that we were really specializing in, it just wasn't working. There wasn't good systems from other companies, other softwares. So we went and built our own and raised some venture capital to be able to do it, hired on, you know, software developers. We've now got, you know, our chief technology officer is here in the U.S. Um, He's over in Illinois. We've got a software designer out in L.A. and California. 
And then we've got like nine people on the software team in India. So we've got a full team over in India as well that we have a direct connection with, uh, with our, our chief technology officer. So we've got a great in there and being able to, to guide these people. But I think the key shift and uh, something that I need, that I think I do okay with, but always want to continue to do better at is that as a leader, as a CEO, as a boss, people don't work for you, you work for them. And that's the key as you add people that it's not, they work for you. It's you work for them. They're the ones that are going to get it done. They're the ones that have to make the company flow and tick. And it's my job to make sure that they are happy and efficient and have the tools that they need to succeed. And, uh, and that in turn then, you know, helps me to meet the, meet my vision and, and build, you know, my company and build what we want to do here. But that's really been the key is working for them. And, um, uh, you know, it, like I said, help make them effective. Gosh, it shows you the importance of being able to pivot and, yeah. you know, not being so stuck in your ways because if you were, like you, like you said, this could just have lived and died in South, Southeast Iowa with you. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's crazy. And can you speak to the amount of, of trust that you have to have in your employees and, and how you navigated that was that difficult was that easy just to display that trust because to me it's like this is continuum egg is mitchell horror's baby yeah so yeah yeah to be able to hand that off that responsibility and and trust people with your plan and vision what was that like yeah um you know when we were building software and really just a couple years ago is where it was like okay i don't want this i don't want this to just be mitchell horror I want this to be Continuum Ag, its own brand, its own system, and a company that can live beyond me. And uh, the plan now, you know, is to be acquired, to exit, um, and to go run the company from within a larger organization that would uh, that would buy us. Because in order to meet our goal of working with a million farmers to help them improve their soil health, I can't do it from small town Iowa. Like I got to work with the right networks and the right right groups. To grow, to grow this thing globally, and and uh, it's going to be much smarter, I think, to grow with existing networks and enable existing relationships. And uh, I've always been very trusting in people from the very beginning. We've had to navigate through, you know, finding the right employees for sure. Um, but now everybody's on board. They see the vision. They're, you know, they want to see it through. They want to be part of something that's big and. Um, and this is the right train to be on, you know, with regenerative ag, with sustainability systems, like it's always changing. It's so new. It's, it's got such attention and, and it's fun. Um, we've had to pivot to add, you know, more features, of course, within the software. We've basically pivoted our entire business model that at the beginning we charged by the acre to do soil sampling. Now we charge a annual subscription by the acre for access to our platform and our, our recommendation systems, our machine learning then the soil sampling is a secondary add-on service after that. Like it's a, it's shifted a lot, but um, I know that I don't have enough hours in a day to get it all done on my own. And um, my people are not babysat. I do not, I, I'm not micromanaging. Like my people I know are going to get it done. They know what needs to be done. They set their own goals um, for the, for the quarter we set the annual goals and the 
the ongoing goals together as a team and everybody agreed that this is what we're going to do and here's the goals and and everybody's accountable to the rest of the team to pull their own weight and um and i have to as well you know i gotta pull my own weight do what i said that my role is going to be and everyone else has to do theirs as well and uh have a open dialogue to call each other out and help each other out as needed um, when things aren't going well or people aren't coming through. And um, it's the only way we're going to be able to get it done. So, um, but I mean, now it's just, just so much different and bigger than what we were before that now we've got farms in our platform in 42 States and 20 countries. Like, I mean, there's just not enough hours a day for me to be able to do it all, especially when my key role is, being out there speaking and building relationships and, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies. And, uh, you know, that's my key role. It's not being in the office or out in the field doing the things that I used to do or, or being the one that's interacting with our farmers all the time. Like I love doing that stuff. I, you know, I do it as much as I can, but my role is to be the CEO and I, I need to, I need to focus on that and hire the best people that we can to fill the other roles of the company. Now, Mitchell, as the CEO of Continuum Ag, you obviously don't have a, a manager or someone looking to you to make sure that, that you are held accountable for, for you. What kind of strategies or, um, or things do you do to help keep yourself accountable to make sure that you're hitting your goals and to just yeah. keep yourself disciplined to the process? Yeah. Well, I do have, you know, some of that now one, I'm accountable to the rest of my people and, uh, and helping everybody out. I work for them. That's, that's been the key, but I do have, you know, I have investors now. I have a business partner, angel investor, um, you know, and, uh, so they are involved and they're seeing what's going on and they invested their money in the company and they want to see a return and they want to, they want to help to grow this thing. And if we're screwing around and, not growing the company and not, not building things. And, uh, they're not going to be as enticed to help out and, and to do their role as, as investors either. So, so there's some, you know, some of that and accountability to them, but really it's, you know, I, I do this cause this is what I want to do. This is what I enjoy doing. And that's the whole point of being an entrepreneur is you get to, you get to do what makes you happy every day. Now, keep it in mind though, that like, that's the real key, that we all need to be looking for here. And for everyone listening, like as you're trying to figure out your young adult life or, or wherever you're at in your career or looking at a career, like it's all just boils down to, you got to be happy. And that's what success is. You know, sure. We want to make a bunch of money. And, you know, I always joke that, uh, you know, want to, want to buy a helicopter. Like that's, uh, you know, that's all awesome. But the key is it's about being happy and about doing what you want to do every day whether you're, you know, working for a company and you're happy there and you've got, you know, you're, uh, you don't have the risks and stuff that somebody that's trying to do their own thing is doing. Um, and, uh, do what you want to do every day, which for me means that I don't, I'm not working nine to five. That's for sure. It is all day, every day. (laughs) What I was talking about, like in college, eight to eight. Oh no, now it is all the time. It is all the time um, and, and always on and always on, always operating at, at all times, whether it's actually in meeting stuff or it's just thinking about this stuff. It is you being a CEO or being a, um, 
an entrepreneur, I think a lot of young people look at that as being like, oh, that's awesome. You get to be your own boss and set your own time and do all your own stuff. But if you want to be a successful entrepreneur and actually be able to create value for other people, that means that setting your own hours is all the hours <laughs> and, uh, and being able to navigate through that way. My, my wife owns her own company as well. Uh, we also have a farming company. I, I have a company that owns a uh, commercial building. Uh, we own farmland. Um, I'm involved in the family operation. Like we have lots of companies. Um, Continuum Ag is the main the main thing. But in order to keep all this stuff going and to meet a bigger personal vision and personal you know goals, uh, it is firing on all cylinders all the time. So you mentioned your wife, and I'm sure she is, you know, a huge support system for for you and everything that you do. Um, along with her, who has been maybe a key influencer that inspired you yep. to pursue what you got going on now? And who? What's your what's your support system like to continue to to keep on on chugging away? Yeah, um, yeah. So definitely, definitely my wife. Number one, you know, she's got it. She owns a dance studio. And, um, and has figured out her own, you know, entrepreneurial path and the dance studio has done really well and, uh, and has been able to really build and she's, she's crushing it. And, uh, and that provides the financial stability that's really allowed for us to, to go and be aggressive. Also farming, of course, has done well. Uh, the podcast that I do, the fieldwork podcast, you know, I'm a employee of that, of, uh, I'm a contracted employee of American Public Media and the podcast. So, you know, I've been able to diversify revenue streams to continue to pay our own bills and do the things that we want to do um, because the money from Continuum Ag has got to stay within the company. You know, I'm not taking, I don't make all this money and stuff with Continuum Ag. You know, that's the long term game. And uh, the money there has got to stay in the company to keep investing back in and building the company. Um, so that's been huge. But in the other one has been my parents for sure. I mean, geez, they have put in a ton of time, uh, done a lot of work and, uh, and are not on the payroll and, uh, you know, want to be able to want to, you know, obviously be able to really help them out and compensate them. Um, and, uh, but for right now they're just fully bought in and supportive you know, of not only me and my endeavors, but my siblings and stuff as well. Um, you know, David is still in school, um, but all three of our sisters all each have their own companies and, and, uh, here as well. So everyone's, you know, very entrepreneurial and, um, and it takes, I think having that really strong support system around to, to make sure that it gets done. Gosh, I can't imagine it's, it's easy for, all the horror clan to get together at a, a family holiday or a birthday party or anything. It seems like you guys are all pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's also like being able to, to separate though too, that, um, you don't make everything. And that's part of this. Like part of what I've chosen here is I am going to miss things. I have, a, you know, on this trip that I'm on right now, like I won't see my daughter for 10 days, you know, like that's a long time. And, um, there's, you know, other trips and, and you miss, you do miss birthdays and you miss things that are going on and stuff, but that's part of it. And, you know, doing these things now, 
So that way, you know, in the future, you know, there's more flexibility and more opportunity to, to do that stuff. But it's also, I think to me, it's, it's, uh, you know, can't get down on yourself for not being able to do it all. Like we're human, like there's only so many hours in a day and you can't do it all. And sometimes balls get dropped and, uh, projects, you know, whether that be projects or potential opportunities or, or opportunities, you know, to go and, and be with friends and family and stuff like that. Like you just can't do it all. Um, and you have to be okay with that and, uh, not get down on yourself for not being able to make everybody happy all the time. All right. So, so Mitchell, you, you seem to have a lot being balanced right now. And, and obviously, you know, you mentioned that being an entrepreneur, being your own, your own boss, it's not a nine to five. It's an all the time gig. What do you do during your, your time off or what do you do to create some time off some, some time to regenerate and to, and to get back to being motivated? I mean, surely you've got something that, that you like to do to, to unwind, right? I mean, we're, I'm on the way to Mexico right now as we record this. So we'll go and, and hang out and, and uh, try to disconnect as much as possible here now. But with so much of this, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I like enjoy watching football, enjoy golfing, enjoy, you know, being outside and hanging out, you know, with family and stuff like try to have some type of balance. Um, but really like, I don't necessarily need that. Like I've never felt burnt out before. I never have, you know, never feel like, you know, frustrated and stuff with it. Like I chose this, like this is what I want to do. Like I, my hobby and my enjoyment is building companies and doing this stuff. So like, I, I really don't get too worked up about that stuff. Like, um, you know, I try to like, you know, try to read and do those kind of things, like, especially in the summer and like, you know, read outside and stuff and, and, you know, on the weekend, you know, on a Sunday afternoon kind of thing, like try to do some of that, but really it's like, um, mixing it all together, you know, the, the working and having fun and stuff like all together, like it, it really can, you know, all be intertwined, I think. Um, but I mean, I, I enjoy listening to podcasts and stuff. Like I'm on the road a lot. So usually it's, you know, on calls, on meetings the whole time, even on, on super long trips. And uh, if not, then I'm listening to podcasts. I'm a big Gary V fan. So the Gary V uh, podcast is, has been my main one for at least seven or eight years. Like I've been a big Barry, Gary V guy since probably 2015 um, when I started the, the company. Um, so I've been big on that and uh, just trying to learn, you know, and trying to, trying to garner good ideas and, and good vibes and all that to uh, – to stay dialed, stay focused in and, um, doing plenty of like reading and stuff, especially like on airplanes, you know, like on planes, I'm, you know, on emails, getting work done, um, or, or reading. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I like doing this stuff. I, what I've really learned and found out about myself is that sure. I'm a entrepreneur. I'm a CEO. And looking back, like actually in my childhood stuff, I had a lemonade stand when I was like four years old doing my own thing there. I started like, I had my own pigs and stuff when I was like 
10. I was renting ground when I was like 13, 14, like working on the job since I was like around that age as well. Like actual like employee essentially of the, of the farm. Um, had my own like hay business when I was young as well. Like it's always been entrepreneurship. I didn't know it at the time. Um, I had my own lawn, like mowing business. Like they were all small, like little odds and ends things, but it's just this what I've always known and what I've always done. But really what I'm good at and my role in this space is to be a visionary. And uh, I didn't know that at the beginning. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that at the beginning that what I am is a, is a visionary, being able to see between the lines, being able to, to garner insights because I'm always observing and always learning and listening. And I'm able to, I'm able to see what's going to happen before other people can see it. Um, that's been a big piece and really my role in the company and, uh, and really my role overall. So my like personal mission is to be a visionary and a visionary for change and for progress, uh, for other people. And it's to be a shepherd of God's creation, which is what we are as farmers, of course. But, um, but I think really important to be able to see that I don't have like a big, like target kind of thing. Like, I don't know where this is going to go. Um, but it's about, saying yes and being open and going where the path leads. Gosh, I can't think of a better example that, you know, living without a blueprint than, than that story right there. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually, once we made that name, I, I didn't even know if it would stick. And the, the more we talked about it and the more we talk with people, we realized that that is kind of really is a perfect name. Cause it's a common theme for, for everybody in life to, to, you know, live like that. And, um, truly you have a inspiring story and, and you obviously have to have a passion and don't feel like you're working, um, in this, this duty that you love. Right. So before, yeah. before we get into our, our 10 fun question segment that everybody loves, yeah. we, we, we would be remiss if we didn't touch on, um, you're the only person I've ever met on, on Forbes 30 under 30. How does something like that happen? Do you, that, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. So was Forbes under 30? I don't know what was it, like maybe 2001 or 2021 or something like that. I, I don't even know really exactly how it happened. Somebody nominated me. Um, I still don't know who. Um, I don't know how they got my name, um, but somebody would nominate me. Um, I went through an interview process and all that and uh, and got selected. It's really like it's a, it's an awesome thing. Like I'm super honored. Like it's a, it's definitely been a, a, like a great deal, you know, and something that like, you know, that, that one like stays on a resume, <laughs> you know, that stays like on like the slides kind of thing. But it, uh, it's not, I don't know there. It, it hasn't necessarily done anything like crazy. Okay. We had like a kickoff meeting with the other like winners um, there was an event in New York, but this was like during COVID and like, I'm not going to go to New York, like for this super restricted COVID, like get together thing. Like it's not worth it. And, uh, and then I'm in a couple like WhatsApp groups and stuff with other Forbes under 30 winners. But, um, you know, really it's just about, uh, to me when I get awards like that, um, any, any award and stuff, 
to me, it ends up being a, a kick in the ass is what it ends up being of, okay, hot shot. You got this, like, these other people think that you're like all that or whatever. And I'm like, well, shit, like I better, I better rock and roll. Like I gotta, I gotta, you know, live up to that and prove something. And, and these guys see something in me and I know that I'm, you know, I'm being self-aware is extremely important. And I know that I've got some, you know, God given talents that I'm extremely grateful for. I don't want to squander them. I don't want to not, you know, make an impact and stuff. I don't know exactly what that's going to, going to be like, you know, it is the living without a blueprint thing. It's always going to continue to change, but I know that there's not enough people in the world that are really just doers at all costs and that are, you know, yes, people and get stuff done at all costs. Like, um, you know, I know that how my brain works and stuff is, is different than how most people are wired and it's not any better than anybody else. It's not any, uh, you know, it's not anything that is worth bragging about or whatever. It's just how I was wired and it's just DNA and circumstance and just has nothing to do with me. It was just the natural ability that I was given and uh, when I, like I said, when I get those awards or stuff, it's, it's people recognizing that like, okay, Hey, there's something there. And, uh, you know, I got to get her done <laughs> and, uh, and be able to prove that they were right. And, uh, but also like, I just, I want to win. And I always joke about like global domination and stuff like that. But like, actually, like I actually want global domination and to like, just not destroy everybody in my path, but like win, win, but win along with everybody. Like I don't want anybody else to lose. I don't want anybody else to be, unless they deserve it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> if they deserve it, if they deserve it, screw them for sure. But, um, but there's so much abundance in this space and, uh, and people are gonna go and, and people are going to get it done. It might as well be me. Yeah, well, Mitchell, your your dedication and passion to this is is super super obvious. Um, congratulations on the Forbes thirty under thirty. It's uh, you know to us as outsiders watching you along this journey, you know, knowing you since since two thousand eighteen, yeah. it, it comes as no as no surprise to us that that you're on that list, and uh, we're we're proud to know you and and, and proud to watch all of the accomplishments that that you've you've managed to to achieve over the last few years and uh we know that that the sky is the limit for you and for continuum yeah where we really got to rock and roll is that my coo brad he's forbes under 30 as well <laughs> so we uh we've actually got two of us so it's like all right we really got to rock and roll because uh if we've got two of us that have gotten that that award uh brad had gotten it a couple years ago when when he was running the company that he founded that's a that's a dream team right there, and <laughs> I, I, every great leader that I've ever been a part of, or got to see, you know, watch, got to watch, lead people, they display two things to me, and that's confidence, which you certainly have, yep. and humility, which you also have as well. And I think those are are two big foundations that every leader and every person could aspire to have. So you definitely have that. Kudos to you. Um, I f- following on Hunter's comment, comments, you know. Thank you for for being on this and 
and uh, congratulations for for all those accomplishments. We're we're definitely cheering you on from the sidelines. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, and like I said, uh, I just see abundance. You know, I think a lot of people live in scarcity, and I just see nothing but abundance, especially when in ag, like, geez, we got what, 5 billion acres globally that are, you know, in agriculture, like there's a lot of opportunity out there and more and more of it coming up every single day. And, um, you know, it's, let's be stronger together kind of thing, you know, and, and, um, be able to build good relationships. That's what ag is all about. And, um, but in growing companies and stuff too, it's like, let's, you know, I want to win, but I see opportunity for a lot of other people to win as well, you know, at the same time. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So as we're wrapping up here, we're going to take the next two minutes to run through these 10 random fun questions to uh, let the audience know the the fun side of, of Mitchell Hora. So the rapid fire. The rapid fire. I Here like we go. It. I like it. You you may have prefaced this and as a good Iowan I can expect an answer. But number one, what's your favorite beer? Bush lattes, of course. Absolutely. Favorite singer or band? Um gosh, I don't really even like have one. I'm I'm all over the place. Like I'm a classic rock guy. I'm an alt rock guy. I'm a country guy. I'll listen to rap. Like it is all over the place, but, um, I don't know. Usually, usually my answer though is like Leonard Skinner or Morgan Wallen, you know, just complete opposites. That'll work. I can, I can see some similarities between the two. And you still gotta all have right. like Shania Twain in there and stuff too. Oh, yeah. just all over the place. Rock, just if all you're not rocking. I, f- I feel like a woman. Oh, then you're then I don't something's know who wrong. You are. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Go, you're going on a vacation. Would you rather be on a, in the mountains or on a beach? On a beach. Favorite sport to watch football. Um, but also wrestling live wrestling if it's live, but football for sure. Favorite team of that sport. I don't necessarily have an NFL team. Um, but chiefs, um, was typically, you know, one, but everybody now it's uh San Francisco, man. We're freaking 49er fans. Now our boy Brock Purdy, let's go. We've on. Yeah. I've been gosh. on that 49ers train this year. Yeah. We've been on the Purdy train for, for five years now. And, and we're happy all these 49ers fans are, are hopping right yeah. on, but I feel like he's our like he's, little boy out there. I feel like he's like, he's like our brother that's out there. Like. No, he's just all grown up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, biggest pet peeve? I don't really have one. Um, I don't have like a pet peeve. I just don't like negativity and talking bad about other people. I guess where where I came in, like I just I just don't I don't have time for that. Like so, I guess that. I mean, it, it happens. Like. I do it as well, but, um, but that's one thing that I want to continue to get rid of. What's something you possess that you couldn't live without? My phone. Um, phone for sure. And contact lenses. I'm so blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite holiday? Uh, definitely Christmas, but also 4th of July because America. In summer and drinking bush lattes. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, you're definitely a, a horror with that 4th of July answer. I feel like David would say that. David would thing. definitely say 4th of July, for sure. Yeah. Well, Mitchell, we can't thank you enough for agreeing to being on this episode. We definitely hope to have you back and, and hear what the story of Mitchell Hora and Continuum Egg looks like post this episode. Um, you have a great, remarkable story, both with your business and your life, and I'm sure all of our listeners are excited to hear it. If you're interested in, in learning more about Continuum Ag and the things that Mitchell was talking about, be sure to check that out at www.continuum.ag.com and, and, and check out what he has going on there. Mitchell, do you have any last words? Just uh, drop the .com from what you said, just continuum.ag, but, uh, not, and all, all over social media and stuff too. Um, but, but no guys, this was, this was fun. Um, commend you for, for taking this leap and, and, uh, going down this and, and was really happy you guys asked me to be on looking forward to uh, staying in touch and, uh, yeah, we'll have to definitely hang out again, maybe, uh, with those bush lattes next time. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Well, Mitchell, thanks again. And to all our viewers out there, you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Living Without a Blueprint. We're also on TikTok. Stay tuned for some content on TikTok at Living Without a Blueprint. And until our next episode in two weeks, we'll say see you later and have a great one. Bye.